Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. Well, we're in this series that we're, we're kicking off today uh, called This is Jesus, and I'm so excited about this series. We're going to spend six weeks looking at and hyper-focusing on Jesus and some, some key attributes uh, from Him, who He is, and what that means for us. And you just can't go wrong talking about Jesus all the time. Uh, and so this is going to be probably a, a series where maybe we're going to be challenged with some things because we're looking at some stuff that, that the world wants to, uh, to pound us on, but it's going to be a highly encouraging series because we're focusing on the key attributes of Jesus Himself. And that's always encouraging. If somebody preaches a Jesus message and you're not encouraged, they're preaching it wrong. And uh, you need to help them out there a little bit um, because Jesus is only amazing always and he only saves. That's what he does. And so today we're looking at how Jesus is always good. He's the most amazing there is. There's enough about him to learn for a lifetime yet never know it all, yet never get bored as you as you go about learning more about him, Jesus is more than enough. He's fully capable and he's fully vested in the life of every believer. And at the same time, everyone who's not a believer, he's going after them. He wants to meet them where they are because his desire is to seek and save the lost. And the reason God is so patient, 2 Peter 3 tells us that God is patient so that more people can come to know Jesus and be saved forever. So a question I want to throw out to us here, with all that Jesus is, or at least all that we know, because we we can't know what we don't know, but with all that we know or all that we hear, with all that he is, what impact is that having on your life, in your marriage, in your household, at your work, uh, when you're in school, at your school, or or in your your school friends that, that maybe you're hanging out in the summer with? What impact is he having in your marriage and and in your community? What impact is is Jesus, this Jesus, having in your present? And what's it look like for your future? What we believe about God, what we believe about Jesus, it affects how we live. It affects how we view ourselves and, and how we look at others and what we think about others. It affects how we respond to trials. Anybody go through trials recently? Every one of you should raise your hand. Um, if you got gas this week, you went through a trial. Uh, just saying. Uh, if you walk outside and you can't breathe because your lungs burnt up, you went through a little trial. Uh, but we go through real trials too, not just external stuff, which that matters. But we go through relationship stuff and health stuff and, and, and just, just the struggles of life. How we respond to trials is largely based on what we believe about Jesus. And the way we relate to Jesus will always be based in what we believe about him. In this series, This is Jesus, we'll look at these attributes and and hopefully get a fresh perspective on, on him and his character and his heart for us and for mankind. Our goal is to encourage followers to, to learn more about a God who there's always more to learn about, a God who, who never changes. He's 
uh, as solid as the day is long. Uh, his character is not shaken by the things that happen in the world. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no false about him. And at the same time, the more we know about him, the more we'll realize there's more than we'll ever know. And then we get to live in this, we get to live from this, and we get to be on mission with Jesus because of this. So a question we're going to be asking all throughout this series, every week, and it's a good question we should ask in anything we do that is Jesus-centered, whether it's a Bible study or real-life group, uh, you're hanging out with your friends, you're doing uh, some volunteering, you're, you're serving at camp, or you're going on a mission trip, you're just reading your Bible, uh, you're listening to praise music, but something we're going to do specifically on Sunday mornings is, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? That is a question we should live asking consistently in our lives, and we're going to ask it a lot during this series. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? It may be Him calling you to something, calling you out of something. It may be Him just saying, hey, just so you know, you're, you're not a loser. I love you. It may be Him saying that, that wasn't me. You're believing a lie. This is who I am. It might be him saying, hey, just, just rest in me. Whatever it is the Holy Spirit's saying, we want to ask him very clearly and give him time, give him pause, or give ourselves pause to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, to us each week. For those who don't know Jesus, we want those that don't know Jesus to come here and hear about this Jesus who wants them, who wants to save them, wants to have a relationship with them, wants to give them a, a, a hope and a future, a purpose, wants to fill them with joy. So, so we want to talk about Jesus a lot. It's always awesome to talk about the man who rescued me. It's one of my favorite things. The, the man named Jesus that saved me from myself, because I needed saving from myself. A lot of us, we get saved and there's different circumstances going on for me, it was save me from Scott. That guy's got to go, and you got to renew me. He gave, he gave this hopeless man hope. He directs me, and he directed me then and, uh, to, to step into life with him, but he directs me in the things that give me an abundant life and a joy-filled life here. The things that shape my life for Jesus, he still directs me in. So it's fun to talk about him. It's fun to talk about the God who called me to live with purpose, who guaranteed me of, a, of an eternal home in heaven. No issues. Like, when we go to heaven, those who follow Jesus, we got no issues for our eternity on. Is that good news or what? No issues of the slightest kind ever will exist in eternity. This God who has made me full of joy, where I was full of, ought and angst and, and just strife and pain. He's my king. He's my rescuer and redeemer. And he's my best friend. It's good to talk about him. And during this series, my hope is that we get to know this Jesus like we've never known him before. Or just in a, in a way the Holy Spirit wants to highlight to us in that week or in this series or, or during this period of time what he wants us to know and live in. None of us know Jesus in absolute fullness because there's just so much about him. I mean, think about it. He's from heaven, but he had to make it first. Isn't that cool? My boys and I were talking about it the other day, and they're like, he's from heaven, but he had to make it. And I'm like, yeah, you know. 
He's, but at the same time, he's a carpenter who sweated when he worked hard. He took naps on a fishing boat. He went to weddings and he attended funerals. He gets you. His teaching had never been heard before and it challenged both religion and the culture of the day and it's still being taught 2,000 years later by him through regular people who are being turned into the image of Jesus one degree at a time. He never hurt a single person. He healed people. He fed the hungry. He loved the outcasts. It says that he hung out with notorious scum. I'm glad that Jesus likes messy people because that's all there is. So that's all he likes to hang out with because he likes to take the messy and make them a message of his grace and salvation. He helped the helpless and he gave hope to the hopeless. He was executed because he loved humanity so much. He went to hell for me so I could go to heaven with him. He rose again because... Sin had no claim on him, and death had no power over him. And he's still saving and healing and restoring people today because he wants everyone to live in heaven with him forever. He can only do good because Jesus is only always forever good. And because Jesus lived on this planet, and history shows us he did, that's an easy, that's a no-brainer, and, and because his life was recorded, the entire Bible's about him, so we get to read about him, we can learn about him. And that's good. But what's even better is because he rose again from the grave and he calls us into this new eternal life with him as our, as our Savior and our Redeemer and our friend, we get to have personal relationship with him. Personal relationship is always better than head knowledge. And head knowledge is great. The personal relationship, that's the real deal. We get to come to know him more deeply and more intimately in every way all the time. So my desire is that we would grow closer to Jesus as we walk through this series, the creator and king who wants to save everyone, that he's good, he's faithful, he's trustworthy, he's full of grace and mercy, and he wants to be your best friend. How many of you like having a best friend in life? Yeah. rest of you are grumpy. That's okay. He came for the grumpy. Okay, we like having a best friend. We probably also like being a best friend. That feels good. Did you know that not only does Jesus want to be your best friend, he wants you to be his best friend? Like, he likes best friends too. It's not like he's like, well, y'all all need me, which we do. But he's not this pompous, you all need me guy. Like, John and him were best friends. He wants to be your best friend, but he wants you to be his best friend. He's that real and personal. No other false god out there that has a claim to be real God and is not ever wanted to have any relationship with anyone. There's always just a distant, I'm better than you, uh, obey my meanness and all my rules and I will grant you whatever. It, it, all that falseness, they, there never is a relationship. And Jesus one relationship so much that he became one of us to save all of us. Psalm 119, 68 is, is really where we're going to spend almost all the time today. This is probably going to be one of the messages that has the least amount of scripture, but you talk about one that will mess with your head a little bit. Psalm 119, 68. You are good 
and do only good. Teach me your decrees. You are good, Jesus, and you only do good. Think about that for a moment. What comes to your mind when you hear that? Somebody yell something out. It's okay. What is it? Perfect verse. Verses. Verses. You got to be specific. The lights are too bright. I can't hear. Uh, you are good and only do good. Anybody struggle at all? Not like you struggle, struggle, but you kind of struggle. You believe, but you're like, come on now. Anybody? What are some of your struggles with you are good and only do good? Cancer. What else? What is it? Addiction. Addiction, a false draw that sucks you in and holds you tight. Natural disasters. Haiti earthquake years ago, right? The tsunami on that Christmas, I think the day after Christmas all those years ago. There's, there's hard stuff. You are good and only do good, and then we're like... But what about that that happened over there? What about that that happened down in Uvalde? But what about, what about that thing that happened to Haiti with the earthquake? Some people might say, Scott, I hear you, but I, I struggle with the absoluteness of good. I mean, I believe, but that's a lot. We wrestle with all the yeah buts, Right? We deal with that stuff in our hearts and in our minds, right? It's hard. We were talking about this in staff meeting the other day. Just read this verse, and then we said, what, what comes to mind? What do you think? And as humans, we can struggle with it and absolutely know that we know that it's true. We live in this tension because we're not perfect. We're, we're perfect, but we're being perfected, and there's this tension of life. It's like, yeah, I believe that, but I'm, my mom has cancer. Yeah, I believe that, but I went to Haiti and, and I saw all the graves. Yeah, I believe that, but my spouse left me. It's this crazy tension we live in. And, and some of the things that we shared in staff meeting the other day, you are good and only do good, then why is it so hard? Anybody ever ask that question? Okay, but why is it so hard? So when, this is what one of them said, this is not me, when the heck are you going to show me some good? And then God said, look around at your life. And the person said, and I looked around, I was like, that's all I see is good. That tension, right? Pastor Michael thought immediately of the song we sing, and the story isn't over if the story isn't good. Not done yet. It's a trust element. You are good. So I'm going to see your goodness. It's a spoiler alert. And we might not like the choice made or how we think it should be, but you're still good. And it'll be good. Makes it easier to wait knowing that you are good. I will see it happen. No matter what's happened, no matter what is happening, God, you'll win the day. Whatever that looks like. So we understandably wrestle 
with this single verse of really absoluteness. I don't think that's a word. It is today. Uh, But this absolute, you are good and only do good. We wrestle with that. And it's okay. God likes us to wrestle with things rather than just go, I'm just not going to feel anymore and just agree. I'm going to do the good church thing and, and not share what's on my heart, God. Mm-mm. I'm be a good boy or girl. God would rather us wrestle with that and be real, and, and that will bring us to the place of really being convinced. You see it all throughout the book of Psalms. David wrestled with it all the time. When are you ever going to save me? He cries out, and you're just going to leave me here. I'm going to die. They're going to overtake me. They're going to mock your name because I'm going to be a dead man. And at the, end of the ver- at the end of the chapter, he's like, you're so faithful. You always come through for me. He wrestled because he was real. That's what God wants from you and I. Being real is where relationship triumphs over a religious life. That's key for us. Never choose a religious life. It'll only get you locked down, and then you can't help others because you're not real. So you can't really talk about a real God who works with you in the mess to create the message of salvation. So our big idea today is He is good and does only good. Jesus is good and He does only good. That's the reality and the truth that exists. And we have to walk through stuff and wait and see it come to pass or get get the Holy Spirit to to help us to see with clarity with the eyes of of Jesus instead of our own. So what's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Maybe for some of you it's like, man, I just, like the guy I talked about last week, I just need to give up. I just need to let it go. I just need to get a fresh perspective. I need to invite someone in. I need to be real in what I'm going through. He's always good and He only does good. God's goodness has nothing to do with what He does. Plain and simple, God does good things because He's inherently good. He's not good because He did something good. He's inherently good, and so He only can do good. And it might be slight for some, but it might be huge for others. I'm not good because I do good things. I'm good because a good God said, I'm going to rescue you and then put my Son in you in the form of the Holy Spirit, and you will have all my goodness. 2 Corinthians 5.21, all of God's goodness was poured into me as Jesus took all of my darkness on Himself. As believers, it's not the things we do that make us good, it's that we are good no matter what. But what if I mess up? You're good. You're good. But what if I yell at my kid? That's not a good thing. You're good. That doesn't change. His definition of he doesn't change. Just like stuff happens around us, it doesn't change who God is. He is inherently good. And His goodness has no limits. He can't change. He's always good. And He's always looked for the good and He likes good. That's what I love about Genesis chapter 1 and 2. When you read it, and probably most of us have read it, the, the, the account of creation, the main beginning there, and it's just like He's constantly 
making and then going, that's good. Man, that's good. Day and night, good. Land and sea, good. Plants and animals, good. Sun, moon, and stars, good. Man, that's very good. We're even better than good. When he created you and I, he said, that's very good. I'm going to go one up. And when God says very, that's a big very, right? It's not my very. That's his. He loves to do good and look for good and champion good because that's all he is. His goodness is obvious and it never runs out. Even when we don't understand it, he is good. James tells us that, that everything good comes from God and he cannot change and there is not even the slightest hint of shadow on his character. He is good and that is it. Always. Satan tries to get us to look at a broken and, and hurting world, a messed up world, and, and blame God. If God is so good, why'd he let that happen? If he's so good, why did he create a messed up world? He didn't. God created a perfect and good world. God created a perfect and a good world. That's what he did. Because he can't create anything but perfect and good. It got messed up with sin, right? So he had a perfectly good redemption plan to, to bring us back to good. This is Jesus. He's the perfect redemption plan. He created the world good. He made us good. We messed up, and so there's this good redemption plan called Jesus that brings us back to good. And even if you don't understand it all, you can know that Jesus is good. And then you live this joy-filled, abundant life. Because the greatest display of God's goodness was His gift of salvation. And that good gift is easily understandable. I might not know a lot, but I know when I'm saved from something, right? Right? I might not get all the, in, in the intricate details of something, but I know when I'm saved from something. If I run out of gas and my car won't start, which that's happened five times in my life, I'm not, I'm not proud of it, uh, and someone comes along and fills my tank with gas, I might not understand how they mined that gas, how they refined that gas, how it got to the gas station, what station it got to, how he got his money to pay for I might not understand all of that, but the guy put gas in my car and it started and I drove away. It's easily understandable. If I'm starving, I might not understand all that it takes to create the perfect taco, right? But I don't have to know what it means to, to raise a cow and to, and to, you know, butcher a cow and to grind it up and get it to H-E-B and all the stuff. I might not know all of that, but I know that I was starving and then I ate a taco that somebody gave me and I'm not starving anymore. If I'm drowning in the ocean, you following me? I might not know what it means to make that float or create that boat that can, it's made out of metal or whatever and it can float. I might not get all that, but I was drowning and somebody came out in a boat and they threw me a life preserver and I got saved. So we don't have to understand it all to understand that life preserver is good, that taco is good, that gas tank that gets filled is good. If you think you have to understand everything, you're missing the point. The point is, we know he's good, and from there we grow in our understanding. 
The Father was so good to give us His Son. Jesus was so good to offer Himself as a sacrifice. The Holy Spirit is so good to move into the heart of a messed up, yet good me, and and help me live like Jesus and become like Jesus. He's good. And you got to start here. If you're here and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, you don't have to understand it all, and you're not going to. I'm just going to, spoiler alert for you, you're never going to understand everything about Jesus. That's not the point. But if you're here or you're listening online or you're watching later on in the week and and you're wondering about this Jesus, he came and lived the perfect life. It gave him the right to die as as an atonement, as a sacrifice, as a substitution for your sins on the cross. And then he was raised to new life by God himself three days later and he calls you into new life and you don't have to get it all. That's a good Savior and a good Father and a good God who wants to offer you eternal life. And he says, all you have to do is accept my offer, believe it in here, speak it out, I believe, cry out to me and you'll be saved. Because it's got to start there for everyone. And you can make that decision today. Like Stennis said earlier, it's the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life. It's the biggest moment of your life when you get saved. It's why we talk about Jesus saving people all the time because that's the point of it all. It's the only thing that gets us into eternity. It's the only thing that gives us purpose here in life. It's the only thing that can give us joy that, over, that uh, you know, like overpowers all the mess around us. The joy of Jesus overwhelms the mess of humanity and the mess of this world. But it's got to start with saying, I believe and I want you to be my Savior and my King. And for us believers, we've got to check our belief foundations. You've got to do it regularly and routinely. That's healthy. We need to have community around us that, that helps speak truth into our lives and help us understand things. And maybe we're, we're being real with them and they're like, that, I, thanks for being real. That's a, that's a terrible way to look at it. <laughs> I love you. Let me point you in the Jesus direction. It's healthy, it's biblical, it's the only way to, you need community around you. It's why we always talk about real life groups and being a part of small caring communities. Find one and, and be involved or be at a Bible study or, or serve on a team where, where they love Jesus and, and it's a bunch of imperfect, messy people growing together, being real, following the King who never fails and is only always forever good. And we might really have wrong beliefs about who Jesus is. He gave me cancer. I hope he saves me. He didn't give you cancer. Amen. You know, he didn't stop my spouse from doing that. He didn't, he didn't do that. He was working hard to stop your spouse from doing that. And those are real things you're going through, but Jesus didn't do those. And so often we have a wrong belief of him. I did. I was like, well, par for the course in my life is that I lose things. You know, relationships, people, my son. I'm like, I guess that's who you are. You just have me lose things, but you're still God, I guess. Whatever. That was my life. And he broke through and said, let me show you who I really am. And then let me, let me show you who you really are to me. Our view of him is hugely important to our faith, obviously. 
and how we live each day. Is Jesus good? Am I living like he's really faithful, trustworthy, and true? How do I step into trusting him if experience and my mind say otherwise? A number of years ago, right before Zion was born, so it was 2004, I, I had knee surgery. I was living in Omaha, and I'd had two knee surgeries before that that repaired major ligaments, and so the recovery and the, the pain of it all was intense, and, but it had been 15 years prior, and medicine had come a long way, and then this one knee surgery, they were actually going and just cleaning up some meniscus stuff, some cartilage, and, um, and, and I remember I had the surgery, and, and the doctor, he, he was the, the main uh, ortho for the University of Nebraska football team, and so he was like renowned, he was the guy. And I went to therapy the first day. It was the day after. I'm like, why are you rolling me into therapy? I need like two weeks off or something. You know, in my mind, I need to be babied and tender, you know, tender cared for. And, and they're like, we're getting you up. We're getting you walking. And I'm like, you're so mean. I can't walk. And, and I remember the guy, he's a big dude. He played uh, on the national championship team as a linebacker. And he was one of his physical therapists. I'm like, he's going to crush me. Uh, and he said, Scott, you got what it takes to do this. And I'm like, no, I don't. History says it's painful and I can't do it and that stuff looks scary. You want me to balance? What do you mean balance? I'm going to fall over and hurt myself. And he's like, you are healed. And the doctor came in and he goes, Scott, your knee will never be stronger than it is now. It is perfectly healed now. He didn't have a good bedside manner. Uh, and he said, you got to trust me. I've done this hundreds upon hundreds of times with people much better shaped than you. I'm like, hey. Uh, I mean, yeah, still, come on. And and then the guy goes, I blew my knee out massively in a game years ago against, I think he was playing Kansas State, and he said, they carted me off, and I didn't think I'd ever walk again. I was playing by the next spring. I trusted him. That man knows what he's doing. My experience said, pain and no way, and I look at things, and of course, I'm so smart, I can figure them all out on my own. So my, my experience and my brain said one thing. When I took the word of that guy who was my physical therapist, I mean, I got up there, I was, I was moving and grooving within days because I trusted his word about the doctor who did surgery on me. You got to take Jesus at his word. You got to take Jesus' people at their word about Jesus. He is trustworthy. He is faithful. He is true. If we only knew how good and trustworthy and strong Jesus really is, we would have a completely different life following him. As we grow, at the same time, trusting his goodness no matter what. Psalm 27, I'm going to end with this. It's a scripture that, that the Lord used massively in my life to, to minister to me. A lot of you have heard it. It depends on which version you're reading it in. Psalm 27, verse 13 to 14. It says, I truly believe that I will live to see the Lord's goodness. Some versions say, I'm convinced I'll see the goodness of God in the land of the living. That's much more poetic. This one's much more, like, this makes sense to me more. I truly believe I'll live to see His goodness. Wait for the Lord's help. Be strong and brave. And wait for the Lord's help. When He says it twice, it's like bold underlined in the Scripture. The beginning of that passage says, God's my light and salvation. Why should I be afraid? Jesus is my fortress. He protects me. Why should I tremble? 
when evil people come to devour and destroy me, when my enemies and my haters come at me, they'll stumble and fall and be defeated. Though an army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident and trust Jesus. We worry a lot when we shouldn't. We let the stuff of life near us and out there dictate how we look at life and how we look at relationships and how we look at Jesus. The way we live is founded in what we believe about Jesus. So do you live in a way that showcases and highlights Jesus or in a way that showcases and highlights whatever you're going through? If you just knew, if you just knew what I know about Jesus, and I don't know it all, and I don't know everything, and I don't understand everything, but I know He is trustworthy. And I know He's only ever always good. If you just knew that, you would live in a way where people would be like, I need whatever you got. Because you would just exude it from your, your, your personality, your mouth, your heart. You're just You would carry it around and people go, I have to have some of that. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing a song about a faithful God who comes through when it looks dark and, and dry and, and, and hard. And He's a God that comes through. And for some of you, you just you need that. You need that fresh water. You need that new hope, that renewed hope. You need help from a God who loves to help you. Or you just need to get your mind off of what you believe and onto who He really is. So Lord, we're going to worship you now. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to each of us in a way that we would clearly hear you and understand you and be encouraged by you, Holy Spirit, as you speak. Help us to get rid of clouds. Get rid of the, the, the things that are that are taking up space in our minds and in our hearts and just be in your presence right now as we worship you and as we let you, Heavenly Father, King Jesus, Holy Spirit, minister to your sons and your daughters. And the altars are open if you want to come up here and worship. But I encourage you, just be real as you worship him. Ask him whatever it is you need right now. Whether it's to be convinced or you need a miracle, whatever it is, ask Him and watch Him come through in your life in the way that He knows is the best because He can only do good for you. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.